This is your Thursday Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Happy to be back for another day and another really good show coming up here. Um, Noah Furtado, Star Tribune intern this summer who has been covering a whole bunch of stuff for us. You can find a lot of his work right now, in fact, on the StarTribune.com sports homepage. He's been doing a lot of Lynx coverage. They played last night and won. Noah covered that game and has been covering the team for a couple of weeks here now. He's covered um, some Minnesota United soccer, some Minnesota Aurora soccer. We will talk about all of those things because all of those are relevant and interesting right now. And just good to get to know Noah a little better. Interesting interesting guy, interesting backstory, and has been doing a great job so far. I found my conversation with him to be very very interesting, very good. He's just a very thoughtful young man, so um, stick around for that here in just a little bit. Got some Twins stuff here in a minute. Um, revisiting something I said yesterday about injuries after a, a listener asked a question and also got to get to the sweep of the Royals here in a minute and the links towards the end of the show in no uncertain terms. Um, Cheryl Reeve disputes the notion that the Lynx were ever tanking this season, even when they started 0-6, and they sure have proven that lately. Won again last night, 8-9 now, so 8-3 in their last 11 games. Definitely not tanking if you were putting that kind of run together, but she had an interesting kind of um, interesting answer to that question. I believe it was um, actually a question asked by Noah Furtado, our guest here in just a few minutes. So we'll get to that towards the end of the show. First, though, what did I miss? You know, I meant to talk about this on Wednesday show, and I just I flat out forgot. In fact, I, I forgot to the extent that I got to the end of the show and I said, "Oh man, I said I was going to talk about that. I didn't, but I feel like we have enough show." So I had to go back and like cut out 15 seconds where I said I was going to talk about this, and I just didn't. Um, the dumbest rule in the NBA. Uh, maybe all of sports is what I want to talk about right now. It is the rule. Um, maybe rule is the wrong word, but the, the dumbest contract stipulation, whatever you want to call it, dumbest clause is this one, and it's 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 hitting the it's hitting the Timberwolves right now um, in a couple of different ways. Potentially one for sure. Um, it's the rule that really good players in this league you don't exactly know sometimes what their contract is going to be because what it is is determined by whether they make the all-NBA team, first, second, or third team. And let me explain. This is this is affecting Anthony Edwards potentially right now. Um, I was reading from Chris Hines' story from a couple days ago when, when Anta signed his extension. He, his extension is five years. It could be worth up to $260 million over those five years, or it could be worth $217 million. That's a difference of $43 million over the life of the contract. And the only thing that will impact whether or not it's 217 or 260 is whether or not Anthony Edwards makes one of the three all-NBA teams this, this upcoming season. That makes no sense to me. That is a, that is a team voted on by 100 members um, of the global sports writers and sports broadcasting media. I'm sure we all do a good job with that. We've seen a lot of the games, things like that. I'm not disputing how people vote, that they're, that they're not good at the voting, things like that. What I am saying is sports writers and sports broadcasters, you know, the whims of a few votes of those folks could sway one way or the other whether Anthony Edwards gets $43 million more 
or not over the life of this contract. Now, that affects Ant, of course. He's not going to be he's not going to be um, poor either way, whether he gets two seventeen or two sixty million over the next five years. What it does impact to a larger degree is the Timberwolves and their salary cap, and they're feeling that right now with Carl Anthony Towns, who went through a similar thing a couple years ago. You'll remember Carl Anthony Towns made the third team All NBA in the 2021-22 season, right before his massive new deal was signed. And that pushed that deal up probably an additional 35 to $40 million, just like Anthony Edwards' deal. That means, you know, these. this is the difference between, you know, probably a, a, probably about, you know, $8 million a year, 8 or $9 million a year for each of these players. It's got salary cap implications. It's got all sorts of implications. I'm not saying the Wolves would be in great shape if, if Cat was counting 8 or $9 million less on the cap starting in 2024 when that contract kicks in. What I am saying is it is a difference. Like, we're talking about the difference of quite a bit of money just because of being named to one of these teams. Um, and again, the, the distinction about making these teams is that you are one of the elite. You're one of the 15 best players in the NBA, at least in that season. So maybe there should be an extra reward. But negotiate that or some. I, I just don't get why it's automatic and how you don't know, the Wolves don't know going into 2024-25 whether they're going to have to account for $43 million more on Anthony Edwards' contract than they did than they did right now. And they had to do the same with Carl Anthony Towns after the voting last year because they knew his contract was going to be signed in the 2022 offseason, and he ends up signing that mega, mega max deal um, for, for a portion of the salary cap, things like that. It basically goes... Uh, for Ant, it's the difference between 25 and 30% of the cap. For Towns, I believe it's about the difference between 30 and 35% of the cap that year. So it's like basically an additional 5% of a team's cap space in one season determined by whether or not one player makes All-NBA. I think it's, just, it's a ridiculous, dumb rule. It puts sports writers and sports broadcasters in a tough spot, too, because they're determining the financial futures of these players and these teams. It's got to go. I don't think it's going anywhere, but it's got to go. It's one of the worst rules in sports, one of the worst clauses in sports, and it is impacting the Wolves right now. Time to check my social media, y'all. Just see who loves me online. Hashtag blessed life. Okay, I cheated a little bit. That's just, This is not from social media. This is from an email, but I wanted to play that sounder anyway because it's been a little while. And, uh, you know, I just don't get as much social media anymore because Twitter is hot garbage right now. So anyway, uh, listener Mark writes in and says, I'm listening to your rant today, today being Wednesday, so yesterday's show about injuries and the twins. It occurred to me that I didn't hear much there that was quote-unquote fact-based. Have you done any diving into how the twins' injuries this year compare to other MLB teams? Um Good point. I hadn't really done much of that, so I want to circle back on that point, Mark, and see where they are this year. And here is what I find, according to SpotTrack, um, good site that does a lot of salary cap stuff, but also tracks the Major League Baseball injury list for the season. The Twins, as of right now, have had 21 different players on the injured list this season. That is tied for the second most in Major League Baseball. Last year, was the same story. They were, I think they were tied for the third most in Major League Baseball last season. Now, I think the impact last year was greater. I've seen some stats saying that by the end of the year, they had lost more wins above replacement than any other team in the majors based on the extent 
of the injuries and who they lost. I don't think it's been quite as damaging this season, but they have had a lot of impact players go on the injured list. And even just right now, like I mentioned on Wednesday show, um, you know, guys like Brock Stewart, who's been very good for them this year, Royce Lewis, um, Caleb Thielbar, Jorge Polanco, a lot of impact players on the injured list for them right now. So I don't know if it's necessarily quite as bad as it was last season. And I know that injuries are a part of the game but they do seem to disproportionately impact the Twins. Right now, currently nine Twins players on the injured list. Compare that, by the way, to the Cleveland Guardians, the team the Twins are ostensibly battling in a very slow race in the AL Central. Cleveland Guardians have only two players right now on the injured list, the lowest amount in Major League Baseball, while the Twins have nine. So something that bears watching I, I will agree that it's maybe gotten not as it's not as bad maybe as it was a season ago so make let's make that fair point but in terms of the sheer volume they have had second most tied for second most number of, of injuries number of players on the injured list year of any team in major league baseball so let's count that as something as we as we're going uh, towards fairness and making sure we are counting up our facts speaking of fairness Pablo Lopez who's been kind of the short end of the uh, short end of the stick in terms of comparing the trades uh, with the Pablo Lopez Luis Arise trade. It was Pablo Lopez's turn on Wednesday throws a complete game shutout Twins beat the Royals 5 nothing complete that sweep Twins now uh, two games up on the Guardians who lost to Atlanta but Cleveland's got Kansas City coming up here so it's their turn to uh, get well against the Royals, one would imagine, just as the Twins did now. So, you know, maybe some better signs from the Twins, starting to get some better performances from some of their key players. We'll see if they can sustain it, see if the players who are around right now can stay healthy. Um, and if we are being fair, Luis Arias has cooled off considerably here in the last handful of days. There was a lot of the talk of can he hit 400, a lot of those articles right as he was right above that line. Since he was at 399, a little over a week ago, he is, I think, 8 for his last 32, 250. He's down to 384. Still a remarkable, excellent season for Luis Arias. Um, still a trade that people are lamenting here, but I don't think Luis Arias is going to hit 400 this year, especially after cooling off a little bit lately. So, like I said, it was Pablo Lopez's turn in the limelight on Wednesday, and we'll see where he can take that from here. MGM Wine and Spirits is the choice for savings, service, and a great selection of spirits, pre-mixed cocktails, wines, and of course, ice-cold beers and hard seltzers. With over 30 locations throughout the Twin Cities and beyond, there's an MGM near you. Head to MGMWineAndSpirits.com to find a convenient location in your area. Get social. Follow MGM on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest news and trends. Make great moments with MGM Wine and Spirits, your locally owned and operated choice for over 50 years. Save time, save money. Shop MGM. All right, really glad to be joined today by Noah Furtado, uh, Star Tribune intern this summer. We're keeping Noah extremely busy, especially this week. You have like, I don't know how many cover stories on Thursday's paper, but it's multiple cover stories, a lot of different subjects, links, uh, Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota United, uh, the, the Aurora, a lot of stuff going on. Great, to, A great time to have you on and introduce you to listeners. Uh, Noah, how are you doing? I'm doing extremely well. Uh, staying busy is the best. Uh, it's what I've been looking for, <laughs> you know, to get out of this uh, internship. So lots of stories, lots of coverage, like you said. And uh, I'm happy to be here and on the podcast for the first time. I'm excited. Before we talk kind of the specifics of some of the stuff you're working on and some of the teams that you've been 
kind of filling in for with beat coverage. Let's hear a little bit more about you. I know you are, you know, you're a native of of Hawaii. You're not from the mainland, but you go to uh, Arizona State. You've done a ton of good work there, and now starting this internship here just a few weeks ago. Kind of, how did you get interested in 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 sports journalism and what you're doing right now? It's a very simple concoction, I guess you would say. Uh, it was around seventh grade, and I really loved sports. I played sports growing up in high school and all of that. And I sort of realized that I had a natural feel for writing. And that was it. You know, that that's that's the start of my investigation into sports media and figuring out that there's a whole world <laughs> of different opportunities. There's podcasting, like what we're doing here. There's reporting, there's broadcasting, um, photography, there's everything. And uh, I think over my time at Arizona State, uh, a couple of years I've been there, I've you know, really enjoyed uh, writing and reporting the most um, out of all of those different mediums. You know, you get to experience all of that uh, at Arizona State at uh, early stage, which was very beneficial um, to allow me to kind of figure that out for myself. Awesome. Yeah. And you've been doing, like I said, a lot of a lot of things here for us so far, the, a feature on um, the Aurora. They're in the playoffs now. That playoff game is Thursday. You wrote that feature. It's in today's paper you've done i think you mm-hmm. maybe wrote that a little while ago but it was it went online wednesday um you know what yeah. what have you learned about that team and we can talk about them a little bit at the jump here because another extremely successful year for that that franchise in, in year two of their existence aurora <laughs> they're one of two teams uh this season that enters the playoffs with a 12 and 0 record um they're, they've been dominant again. And, and Maya Hansen in particular, um, the subject of the feature story that just went up this morning, she is their best player. Uh, she led them in points, angles, and um, her story in particular is one that should be intriguing to uh, a lot of the newspaper's readers. Uh, Minnesota-born, uh, went to Burnsville High School, did a lot of club soccer growing up. And I think her story was extremely extremely you know good to tell because for her what the aurora offer is although it's semi-pro pre-professional however you want to call it the environment there (laughs) at tco stadium i went to a uh, one of their matches and after uh they have all of these folks line up and uh to to basically get autographs from from these players and for for maya in particular she's a college athlete Right. So she gets to experience that. She gets to be a role model for uh, really the youth. Uh, a lot of a lot of young girls, young boys, even who are interested in the sport. And um, they were just they flocked, you know, not only to her, but a lot of her teammates during what they call that autograph alley. Yeah, um, it was really surreal, I think, to, to experience that. And I really thought that uh, that added to her story um, and sort of is a microcosm of, of what the Aurora represent here in, in Minnesota. Oda. Um, they're, they're great. Um, you know, I think they've really brought that community together. It's, it's real unified, I think, you know, in terms of what they've been able to build in just two seasons now. And now they, they're about to, you know, embark on another journey to finish the job. You know, they finished runner up last season. Um, but, uh, they're right there again. How much do you get a sense that that finished last year, motivates them i mean they're more than just results oriented but at the at the end of the day every team wants 
to win. I mean, they've had so much success. I mean, that's basically their only loss has been in that in that championship game a year ago. How much do you think that motivates them right now? To an extent, it it, it sure it sure will. Um, one thing I will note is that team they lost to uh, Southern Georgia. Um, they're not even in the playoffs this year. Interesting. So yeah. They, yeah. They um, they are um, they stayed consistent. You know, they came back into the season wanting more, wanting to win. Um, and, you know, I talked to Coach Nicole Lukic a little bit about that when I was uh, working on the story for Maya. She had she had said that, you know, that was a big part, obviously, of, of when you take on something like this, you, you want to win. But uh, for her, I think more so than anything, it's it's been about the experience for these players. And that has been a byproduct of their commitment, you know, to, to really improve as players and be and be role models. You know, that's that's part of the, the reason they spend so much time after games, 20 minutes, 20 plus minutes, really. To, to go in and be with the community and interact. So uh, it, it's all encompassed in, in this, uh, you know, what, what may have been a, an experiment at one point has, has really, I think, worked out uh, for them here after just two years. And, uh, you know, I think they've got something good, something special there. Yeah, I agree. I haven't, I've very rarely do you see something like this where it just kind of takes off. They find this, you know, I don't know if it's an underserved market, what, what it is, but they tapped into something very real very quickly and have had success to go with it on the on the pitch and that's you know I, every time i talk about that i'm just like it's it's, am- it's amazing what they've been able to do but at, the more they do it the less like I, it's not it's not any less amazing it's just it we kind of we we assume it now at this point like yeah this is just what the aurora are at this point yeah yeah it's interesting when you just think about how that came together right cuz really it feels it feels too established for how long right. it's been around. Right. Um, and, uh, and that's a good thing. Yes. So. Yes, it is. Well, um, you've also covered some Minnesota United kind of transitioning to um, more soccer, but on the, on the men's side, the major league soccer team here, Manuel mm-hmm. Reynoso has been kind of the storyline all season first with his absence and now in his return and really seeing, you know, maybe not necessarily for the first time this season, but, him his brace the other day the, the you know the four one win over Portland you covered that match um, he gets two mm-hmm. goals and suddenly a team that is averaging like a goal a game looks a lot more dangerous. So what did you take away from watching that match? Talking to you know Adrian Heath, mm-hmm. the, the manager afterwards, and just kind of the vibe with that team right now. I think with Reynoso in particular, he the energy you know of him coming back to the team and, and trying to reintegrate himself um, has, has really fueled him. And it feels like he's, he's really just having fun. <laughs> he's having fun with the game again after sort of an extended absence uh, from the franchise. Um, and I think probably the best example of that is the Olympico goal. He, yeah. he said he had two goals. One of them was yeah. an Olympico. Uh, very rare, just sort of hooked it in from the corner. And the funny thing was, he said he planned that. It was on purpose, yeah. I guess. <laughs> How do you, um, like, as as someone who like dabbles in soccer, but has never really played organized soccer, just like planning to curl in a ball from basically the even <laughs> line of where the goal is 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 beyond me. Yeah, same here. Uh, and and even you know Adrian Heath would probably be be on the same page there with us because he said today um, he did have an Olympico. Um, but it was when he was 12 years old and it was like, <laughs> yeah. you know, on the playground, that sort of thing. This is professional soccer. 
here in the MLS and, and, and Reynoso made that look really easy. So he, he's, I think, really meshing um, uh, with his teammates and he's just, he's just enjoyed being back. Like that, that's, that's all it is. Like when you're away from a sport that you have a lot of passion for, and, and obviously his situation was a little complicated having to go back, tend to his daughters is what um, the official sort of announcement was. And uh, after he was able to take care of that uh, sort of, it feels like he's renewing, you know, uh, I guess his love for the game, you know, uh, the team overall, I would say uh, still is figuring out some things, but uh, they're trending in the right direction. Um, they, they're bringing in Timu Puki, right? Yeah. Renowned Finnish striker. Um, the way that he will be able to impact that team, uh, assuming that he's reintegrated nicely and, and, and the team can sort of, the chemistry of, of that team can be advanced as well. That's, that's a good sign. Um, but uh, at least for the first match, potentially that he'll play, uh, Adrian Heath will not be on the sideline. So yeah, that's right. Um, there is there is all that situation that transpired. Um, you know, Minnesota United they finished with five yellows to Portland's one, I think, and and Heath was just sort of frustrated, boiled over to that uh, that one foul that he disputed, and uh, he said today actually that uh, he couldn't appeal the suspension even though the referee had apologized to him on the spot, <laughs> which is not something you typically hear, I think, from right. from referees. So. Um, outside of that, uh, you could say that, you know, the Minnesota United, especially after that last performance, there's some promising things to take away as they, as they move forward into this next part of the season. Yeah, I would agree with that. Adrian, he's, he's been on the show a few times. He's, he's terrific. Good, good talker. Also (laughs) self-admitted, uh, a bit of a temper on him. Sometimes he will, he will get a little salty with the officials. I'm not surprised that he has fallen victim to the yellow card accumulation maybe not the worst time of the year for it they'll you know take take one match i'm sure they'll be okay there but yeah i agree it mm-hmm. feels like they're they're trending up um especially if like you said if timo puki can be kind of that finisher that they've been searching for for years and years and years you haven't been here for more than a few <laughs> weeks but you i'm sure you've probably heard about it enough already that they've just been searching for someone who can you know especially since the emergence of Reynoso, someone to play along with him that can kind of opportunize all those chances that he creates He's going to have his first practice tomorrow um, or is expected to, to practice with the team tomorrow. And uh, we'll, the media will talk to Pookie for the first time Friday. Uh, we're still not sure. Uh, you know, he, he said that uh, his status is still to, to be determined for Saturday, whether he'll start or even play. Um, probably just depends on how he looks, you know, when, when they're in person and, and, and sort of having him you know, catch up on, on some of the, you know, the schemes and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, eventually fans will be able to see him, uh, a great talent really out there for, for the loons. Another team on the upswing that you've been doing a lot of coverage of the links. <laughs> I'll, I won't, yeah. I'll hedge it. I'll hedge things a little bit because as of mm-hmm. recording, you're actually covering a game Wednesday night. We're, re- we're recording a few hours before that. So I will fill mm-hmm. in the gaps a little bit of what happened in that game and talk about that in a little bit here. But um, it's a team that started out 0 and six and won seven of the next uh, seven of the next uh, ten after that to to really pull themselves mm-hmm. back into playoff position in a, in a WNBA this year that's very you know kind of top heavy with three three really good teams and everybody else kind of fighting it out. This could be a playoff team again even after an 0 and six start, and they've got to be feeling a lot better about just everything <laughs> lately <laughs> as opposed to where they were at the start of the year. 
they certainly looked like a playoff team. Uh, Nafisa Collier has gotten better each game. Um, she will continue to improve as, you know, she plays more with, with Diamond Miller, uh, the Lynx's number two overall pick. She just returned from injury uh, several games ago. Uh, her energy, by the way, I think has really rubbed off on that team. And the dynamic between those two, uh, Collier and Miller, is, is sort of a, ba- uh, a balancing out effect because Collier is very calm, very mellow. Uh, <laughs> she is, she is the, the vet, you know, and, and Diamond is her personality. She's just very electric and, and energetic. And she just, like she says, wears her heart on her sleeve when she's out there. So um, I think it's a good balance that, uh, that that team has, you know, at the top. And in terms of their role players, they've been, they've been shooting a little bit better, you know, over this recent stretch. And um, with Tiffany Mitchell, who was starting at point guard for a while, she's, she's out due to a left wrist injury. Their backup point guard, who actually started the year uh, in the lineup, um, she has really done well. <laughs> Lindsay Allen um, had a streak, I think. No, this, this is the correct stat. And, and prepare yourself because it's crazy. <laughs> she had 37 straight assists with no turnovers wow. um, that just ended uh, recently. That's but amazing. Her, yeah. Her, yeah. Her impact as a floor general, you know, um, getting them into their sets, pushing the pace and, and obviously taking care of the ball. That has been huge for them. Uh, Kayla McBride, her confidence has taken a, taken a step up. She had a rough stretch really um, there in the middle until that uh, Cheryl Reeve just sat down with her really. Um, and told her, you know, you got to keep taking more shots. You you can't take less shots, even if they're not falling. It's it's just the she called it the life of a shooter. And so, yeah. really, they're just trying to piece together um, all of uh, all of these different players. They they bring something to the table, and it's it's been clicking on all cylinders as of late. Um, certainly, they want to be better at home, uh, and they're going to have a lot of opportunities here yeah. uh, in the next month or so. Um, they have uh, a lot of home games. I'm not sure the exact number, but in the next 10, you know, it's, it's a majority at the very least. And so um, they're going to be here in Minnesota where the fans can see them. And you can tell that uh, the fans can rally around some wins here. <laughs> yeah. So no, for sure. Well, Noah, before I let you go, um, you might do some guest hosting on, on a show in a couple of weeks. I think that'd be awesome. Cause like you said, you do have some, podcasting experience already at Arizona state aside from that, what else are you looking forward to in, in the rest of your, and the rest of your internship here for the next couple of months and just kind of whatever, whether it's covering something, seeing something here in the mm-hmm. twin cities, what, what, what's on your mind? Honestly, I, I've just, I've just been working, you know, so, so much. I, I don't think in terms of like, you know, going, going to see different places. Um, my team leader, Nyla G. Myers, uh, she she just told me the other day about some some spots uh, that I should check out at some point um, here in here in downtown Minneapolis, and uh, I think I think that might come up as as a priority as I progress through the internship, just to you know get out and experience some of those things. Um, but really, you know, I'm 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 here to help out, uh, you know, tell tell some good stories, learn things. You know, you're on these beats with different people, uh, other professionals as well, and you get to see their process. I think all of that is very interesting. You know, you work with different editors, you see uh, their styles and, and 
how you can sort of make their jobs easier. It's all those things that I'm just trying to, to get used to. Like, I don't know if we introduced this on air, but this is my first big internship with a newspaper and I've just been trying to, to relish in it and, and take in as much as I can, you know, in the 10 weeks. Well, now it's uh, <laughs> six weeks uh, left here. Um, but, but yeah, it's just, I think maybe trying to, to pepper in some, some experiences outside of the newsroom and outside of work might be, might be the way to go yeah. eventually. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Well, hopefully you find some time for that. You've been doing a great job covering all of those teams that we already talked about, and hopefully you get some other opportunities as well to, to cover some other things and to see what we have to offer before you head back to Arizona state and probably a nicer winter than we are going to have here. Um, Noah Furtado, oh. <laughs> appreciate, uh, appreciate your time today on daily delivery. Listen for, listen for Noah, hopefully in a couple of weeks. I want to give him a chance to do a show or two and uh, Noah, we'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed getting to know Noah Furtado a little bit better and uh, hope you'll follow his coverage. He's been doing a really good job covering a lot of these different teams and, uh, and, and you know, writing interesting, engaging stories. Like I, I told him after we were done recording, I can tell he has a, a, a really good handle on these teams already, even after just being here for a few weeks. So kudos to Noah. And like I said, um, as we were recording, we had to hedge a little bit because we were recording on Wednesday afternoon. Lynx played that evening. I had a hunch they would win, which which was helpful to the overall narrative, and they did. They win for the eighth time in 11 games, beat the Indiana Fever. And after the game, like I said at the beginning, Noah asked, um, Noah Furtado, our, our intern, asked Cheryl Reeve kind of about the beginning of the season and when people were talking about are the Lynx tanking, trying to gain draft position for what looks like it will be a really excellent 2024 WNBA draft. Cheryl Reeve, in no uncertain terms, the links are not tanking. Let's run that audio right now. I know you can't escape it. I mean, I, I get that's interesting. Um, and and I, I I would invite anybody that would suggest, you know, that we were tanking is to, to walk in um, to either our practices or during the course of a game. Um, we're, we are trying to win every game that we play in. Uh, I don't believe in that. Um, no one has come to me and asked me, you know, to tank. Uh, I believe in this group that, that you're with, they don't deserve that. I mean, that's embarrassing that, that you know, that it gets thrown around. Um, I understand the, the draft. I get all that. But if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. If we aren't good enough, we aren't good enough, right? And then it happens. But the tanking business, I mean, I don't, I don't see anybody that we've played that looks like they're tanking. Um, so, and it's certainly not, not the Minnesota Lynx. And, and uh, you know, it's probably going to be a case, Noah, that um, I suck if we win too much, and then I suck if we lose, and and we're in the lottery. So, um, I don't, I don't. That's not going to control anything uh, that we do. Um, this group deserves our very best. Our owner wants us to be successful. And, and uh, you know, again, the, I, I get the interesting thing to talk about, but it is disrespectful to, uh, to teams that are, that are competing. Now, I'll admit I was one guilty not of suggesting that they were tanking, but suggesting that maybe not having the greatest season this year wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But you know what? These are competitors. These are players. These are coaches who want to win right now. These are people who are fighting for 
jobs in the future. These are people who want to win, who have been top-level competitors all their life. They only know one speed. That is trying to win, and the Lynx certainly have been proving that they are trying to do that lately with, like I said, eight wins in their last 11 games to get back into what right now is playoff position in the WNBA. That will do it for me today. Should be a plethora of Twins talk on Friday's show with Bobby Nightingale Jr., our new Twins beat writer. I introduced him on the show a few weeks ago. He's been really ramping up, revving up on on, on the speed on this beat. A lot of interesting things have happened since I talked to him last. Let's get him on to talk a little bit before, uh, before they go into the break here in just a few days. Just kind of get a lay of the land of this team and where they are at. So that will be on Friday's show. Until then, enjoy the rest of your gorgeous, gorgeous Thursday outside, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.